not going to get better. That's bullshit. This is bullshit, right? I'm tired okay. and I'm bored. Okay. What are you bored of? I... Don't you want to get better? No, you want. This has become way too important to you. What are you talking about? Don't you want to get better? Yes, desperately. It's not going to happen. All right, newsflash, there's no cure. I can't hold this day. Understand me any more to tread this fantasy openly? What have I done? Oh, this uncertainty. Let's fast forward. You get out of jail, and now you're fast tracking. You're still. You don't have to go to sober living, uh, and you get out, and um, you're back at phase pissed. one. I was pissed that they added three months to my program, right? Like a measly three months, like nothing. Well, I was being a bitch about it, and I was mad as hell. And so at that point, I was like, you know what, Ryan, you got to fucking man up and just deal with it, and just get through it. So that was yeah. like honestly what I wanted to do. But then, like, my first day back at group, I was like, this is fucking retarded. I don't need to be here. I'm not getting anything out of this. Fuck these people. And I just waited until, I think it was that Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Oh, no, Christmas. Oh, yeah, no. I got out. They let me out right before Christmas. So I stayed clean. And then, you know, the weekend came, and uh, uh, I didn't have any family or anybody to hang out with on Christmas, so I ended up going to Shauna's family's ranch, had a great Christmas over there, had a great Christmas dinner, ate a ton of food, and life was really good, you know, and then I remember I was there watching her dad and her uncle drink a beer and I, while I was hanging out with them and talking, and I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that, like, damn, dude, I, I just want to be able to, like, enjoy a beer right now, like, you know, like any other man on Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, and then I was like, fuck, man, I, I still got... I still got to do fucking seven months in the program because since they added three months, that, that left me fucking seven total months to do. Yeah. And that seven months just seemed impossible, and I was like, fuck, man, I'm pissed. So I left that night with, like, a resentment towards drug court, which is bad because I was already, like, shaping up for my next fucking relapse. Yeah. Then 
Wednesday came, and I told myself, look, I'm gonna, I'll get high still as long as I test on a Friday, and you know, a Thursday or Friday, and I have enough time to flush, and that's it. And I made it, uh, like, I made a promise to myself that I would no longer uh, continue using throughout the weekend, that I would do what you do, and just, you know, one day, and one day only, and then flush like crazy. Yeah. Well, they tested me on Wednesday, and I got excited, because I was like, you know what, it's pretty risky to do it right now, but if I use today, and I put it down today, and they don't test me Thursday or Friday, and I'm absolutely cool by Monday. So I went to my dealer's house, and this guy is always home. He always has dope. All I have to do is walk up to his window, rap on the glass, and fucking put money through the window. And he lives in a trailer. And it's all said and done within like the span of five minutes. And then I'm in my car and on my way. Well, he happens to live... Uh, he lives kind of off the beaten path, and he lives about 20 minutes away from where I lived in Slow, so I was really itching to get high. So by the time I got to his place and picked up, like, I was in no mood to, like, drive home and, you know, wait 20, 30 minutes to do it. I wanted to get high right then. So he happens to live near a trailhead where, like, you know, for a trail that leads to the beach, a really popular uh, little spot, uh, Bob Jones Trail for any slow locals. And, <laughs> yeah. um, fucking went over there. Now, this is like a bad place to go, simply because it's middle of the day. Uh, there's a lot of people and a lot of families, kids and everything. Yeah. But, you know, I figured, you know, if you do it in plain sight, you know, it's sometimes better. Plus, I didn't think it would be weird if I'm staying in my car in a place where there's a bunch of other people, like, in their cars or getting ready to go. So I get, you know, I'm sitting over there and I do my issue and uh, I get a text message from a, from an old friend or from a friend of mine who is an alcoholic and he texted me right when I right after I used and his text message was hey bud I had a weird feeling about you or just uh, something told me I should text you how are you doing right now are you okay and my only response was yes and no so he automatically called me and he goes what's up man and like mind you I'm feeling pretty fucking good at this point I'm feeling pretty open, pretty honest, you know. And he's like, what's going on, man? Are you all right? And I was like, no, man, I'm great. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm, well, I'm going to be honest, man. I got high right now, but I'm okay. And he's like, oh, he, he got all fucking scared and worried about me because even though he's fucking blackout drunk, like, my, my addiction is like, oh, it just scares the shit out of him. And he wanted to act like he just cares about me so much. And so... He gets all worried and is talking to me like, hey, bro, man, what, what's wrong? Like, why, why are you doing that? Like, come on, man, let's get through this. And I'm like, dude, I'm all right. Like, I'm just telling you, I got high. Like, that's all I'm saying. And he's like, well, okay, well, you know, I just texted uh, Shauna, you know, my good friend who's in drug court with me, who's a good friend, but also... A goody-goody. Like, the, first, the first person that'll make me tell my counselors. And if yeah. I don't tell them, then she'll tell on, tell on me for me to help me. And yeah. uh, I don't know if her intentions are genuine or not, but it doesn't matter. At this point, I got this asshole on the phone telling me that he just fucking informed her, who is no better than the, I mean, no worse than the cops, that I'm getting high. And I'm like, fuck, dude. So, instead of leaving Bob Jones' trail to go home like I should have done, I have to do damage control on the phone. And I need to be totally focused, so I can't be driving and talking to this bitch, because I got to make sure that I say everything right to prevent her from fucking calling probation right there on the spot and getting me arrested. So I call her, 
she answers the phone. And I'm like, hey, Shauna, check it out. I got high. I'm being honest, but I'm not trying to lose my job and my car and my house. You need to not tell on me. Please let me tell on myself, but give me a day to do it because I'm going to have to put all of my shit in storage and, like, you know, get my get my life situated before I go into jail. Because this time I knew it was going to be longer than seven days. So she actually agreed to it. But, you know, we were having a nice long conversation. Probably 15, 20 minutes went by. And I had shot up in this parking lot middle of the day. I was pretty excited to do it. So I don't think I tried uh, very hard to hide, you know, me sticking a needle in my arm. I think I kind of did it in plain sight where anybody peering in could have easily seen what I was doing. And I'm pretty sure somebody did because uh, as I'm sitting on the phone with her, I see a sheriff's deputy come rolling into the parking lot. And, like, I was parked pretty deep into the parking lot. And this guy came and pulled in and passed every single car until he got to mine. And then all of a sudden he comes slowing down, gets right behind my, my car, and he stops. And I'm not sure if he's blocking me in and he's going to hop out and, like, drag me out of the car or what the fuck he's doing, but I froze. I hadn't been in this situation for a minute. I hadn't been getting high long enough again to have my like my my state of mind where you know that tells me okay hide everything and, and fucking you know don't give this guy a reason to take you into jail. I just fucking froze like a little bitch. Well, the oh. thing is, is when a sheriff rolls up on you and in your you're in your car and you have illegal contraband in there, everyone freezes and your mind kind of stops functioning in a productive manner and you don't know what to do, where to put your shit. I should have been shoving stuff up my ass. I should have been shoving stuff in, in, in the most random places in my car. <laughs> yeah. But mainly in my butt crack. That's yeah. I, that's, I could have easily the put everything I had in my butt crack. Yeah. And I would have been all right. The butt crack no is the safest place to yeah. hide shit when a, a police officer approaches you because they do not want to look in your butt crack, nor will they try to 99.9% of the times. Yeah. Even if you just cheek it, you know, you just got to hold your buns tight. Yeah. The whole time they're patting you down. Exactly. So anyway, long story short, I freeze up, but he pulls away. He sat there for about maybe 34 seconds and then he, he kept creeping forward. So I watched him and at this point I figured he didn't see me sitting in the car but, I mean, obviously he took an interest in my vehicle for a reason. But it didn't, I, I couldn't fathom why he would be there for me, like how he would know what I was doing there. And I didn't, I mean, I considered that, and, and this is what probably happened. I think somebody saw me using. But so he pulled to the other side of the parking lot, and he flipped his vehicle around, and then he just parked in the middle of the lane. And he just sat there facing my direction. Fuck. And he sat there, and I and I stayed. I was still on the phone with Shauna, and I stayed on the phone with him for like another six or seven full minutes. Oh my I mean, god! The time went on, and he just sat there. So I don't believe he he knew I was in my vehicle. I think he thought somebody had called on my vehicle, and he thought that I was out of my vehicle, like cruising around somewhere. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I got to get out of my car, and I got to grab like a frisbee or something out of my trunk and pretend like I'm going to the beach, like all these other people, and just you know, be normal. So that's what I did. But still, I was still so frozen up that I didn't even think to hide the dope or anything. So I fucking left it all on my center console where it was easy for him to find. And uh, 
as soon as I started walking towards the trail with my frisbee, he comes slowly creeping down the lane, and he comes right up next to me. And the first thing he says to me when he rolls down his window is, are you Ryan? And this, like, caught me off guard, because I'm like, how the fuck does he know my name? He had ran my license plate, so he saw that I'm on probation. He knows my name. He knows that's my car. He knows what my charges are in the past. And now it's just a matter of does he know or, you know, what doesn't he know about what I'm doing at that present time? So I'm not going to lie to him. Of course I'm Ryan, you fucking idiot. You don't have to ask me that. You already knew the answer. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm like, yes, I'm Ryan. And he's like, all right, well, uh, can I see your ID? I was like, well, it's back in my car. I need to go grab it. And he goes, okay, well, you're going to have to back up slowly and uh, while, I, while I back up with you so you can get to your car. I said, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Like, the cops don't ask people, everybody to do that. Like, if he didn't already assume that I was guilty of something, he probably would have, you know, been like, okay, yeah, that's fine. No, he knew I was guilty. I knew I was guilty, and you could smell it in the air. So I went back to my car, and while I'm walking to my car, and he's reversing uh, at my pace, I looked at him, and I said, look, man, it's the middle of the day. There's a lot of families here. I ain't trying to cause a scene, so, I mean, I think we both already know that I'm on probation. So, obviously, you're going to search my vehicle, and I'm just going to let you know right now that uh, I just got done getting high, and uh, I have some stuff in the car. And uh, this is where it's at. So how about you just grab that, put me in the back, and we'll just go from there. And uh, I was hoping that this would get me a little bit of respect and love from him, you know, because, like, honestly, like, there's a chance he could bite me out and release me. But this motherfucker totally went and found the dope and everything, and I thought that would be it. I thought that was the end game, that like, he'd be taking me to jail at that point. Instead, he fucking, that wasn't good enough, dude. He fucking comes to me, and he's, he fucking interrogated me for a cool minute. He's like, what are you really doing here? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, why, why are you just sitting at the Bob Jones trail? And I was like, well, I was getting high in my car. And he's like, no, come on, man, that's it? I'm like, well, what else? Like, what, what do you want me to tell you? Like, what else would I be doing? <clears throat> he's like, yeah, you weren't, you weren't going to be robbing vehicles? You didn't break into any cars here? I'm like, what? No, dude, I've, like, I've got a savings account. i got money in the bank. I, ain't, I don't need to steal shit. And he's like, are you sure about that? I saw some stuff in your car. You had some binoculars and whatnot. You, you didn't take those from somebody, or you're not using those to scope out a possible smash and grab? I was like, dude, I just told you what I was doing here. Like, I'm not stealing from cars. I promise you that. And uh, then he's like, all right. And so he takes me to jail, and uh, and they put me in jail. And uh, I was supposed to see the judge that Friday, but it was a holiday, so the court was dark. So probation held me till the next Friday. So when I went and saw the or in between, or actually that Wednesday, right before court, fucking I get a visit from Corey and Lindsay, our counselors, and uh, they come in there, and they they come walking into the little uh, visitation room in my oranges, and they're looking at me, and Lindsay has the nerve to say, "Hey, how's it going?" And oh my God. I'm like, well, I'm in jail. Uh, how are you guys? And Corey's like, what's going on with you, man? Come on, dude. What's what's going on? I said, well, I uh, got caught using again. And he's like, really, man? Like, what 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 are we missing? What's what's wrong here? And I said, 
I'm not missing anything, man. I just, I reawoke the dragon. I can't, you know, I just can't, you know, I can't fight off the urges right now. It's too early. And uh, he's like, well, we're going to have to figure something out, Ryan, because whatever we're doing isn't working. And I'm like, well, Corey, I just, I just need to get back on the, the horse, you know? I'm like, honestly, dude, because, uh, I mean, at this point, I had been in jail for a week and a half. I was, I was already in there longer than the time I'd spent for my first relapse. So I was pretty tired of being there, and I was really ready to get out and, like, make a change. So I was like, dude, I'm, you know, I just needed this, this uh, second little fuck-up and, and uh, a rest to really get my head straight. And he's like, I don't know about that, man. I don't know if I can trust you this time. And I'm like, well, what do you mean, man? I've been in here, like, plenty plenty of time now. Trust me, I've, I've got my shit together. And then she's like, well, how do you feel about residential? And I'm like, well... I don't feel anything about residential because I've done residential before and it doesn't work. She's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, every time I go to residential, it's like going to jail. I just get taken out of society for, for X amount of days. And then I learn how to be clean in the safety bubble. Then as soon as I come home, it's like I have to restart, you know, everything. I have to relearn how to be clean in a normal environment, you know, where there are drugs and where I don't have people breathing down my neck every step of the way. Then Corey chimes in and he goes, so really tell us what caused this last relapse. And I'm like, I just wanted to get high again, man. Like, that's all, really. He's like, oh, really? What, you didn't spend enough time in jail the first, like, last week? And I was like, dude, I, I spent plenty of time in jail, but you don't understand. Like, sometimes I just want to get high. And, like, honestly, I just, I gave in to the urges this time. I was like, if anything caused me to realize it's the fact that uh, I just gotten out of jail, um, I didn't have any family around for the holidays, and I've been working way too much. That's probably, I mean, those are the only things I can think of, but honestly, I just wanted to get high. And he's like, you know what, man? Honestly, that, that's, those are the same reasons you told me last time. So I'm not really buying it. You know, like, what the fuck, bro? Like, why can't my reasons for relapse stay the same? Why, like, they're not always going to be different, you fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. the, thing, the things that trigger me today are definitely going to trigger me tomorrow. So, fuck you. F- you know? <laughs> so then he's like, well, you know, if you're not going to do residential, then we only have one other option. And uh, I think you'll really like it because it'll allow you to stick around and still work and make your money. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to restart your program, man. That's just all there is to it. And I looked at him and I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, and he's like, uh, that's serious, you know? So, I'm like, well, I've watched other people fuck up ten times harder and more than, than I ever have in this program. What the fuck, dude? Like, why am I getting restarted? It's like, well, we just feel like, you know, it's going to be good for Rai Rai, and uh, we think it'll work really well for you. You know, you're going to have a couple extra groups every week, but we're going to have an all-men's group where, you know, it's going to be every Monday morning, It'll just be, you know, me, you and the guys uh, doing a group. And I'm thinking, fuck, Corey, like, drug court's already 95% male. There's only, like, three girls in the program. I get male group every day. You know, and what the fuck are we going to talk about in, in the normal men's group anyways? That's fucking retarded. Yeah. So then he's like, they're trying to fucking, like, you know, present it to me on this platter, like, I'm just gonna eat it out of their hands, like I used to do, you know, I used to get excited about everything they offered me, whether it was good or bad, at this point, I, I was just, fuck these people, dude, 
So at this point, Lindsay can kind of sense my attitude, and she's like, you know, Ryan, like, honestly, you, you, uh, you need this. You need help. Like, this is your second time relapsing. Like, we're worried about you. I'm like, okay, well, check it out. Like, I'll go to rehab, but you guys have to, can you guys let me out of jail so I can put my stuff in storage and get my car somewhere safe and, like, try to secure my job for when I get back? And she's like, nope, they're going to take, they're, they're going to take you directly to rehab from jail. And honestly, Ryan, you don't need to, like, why are you so worried about your car and your job and money and your stuff? Like, those things, those things are not important. What's important is getting clean and your recovery. You need to put that first. And like, I'm fucking sick and tired of people trying to act like my job and my car and like these things that help me be a responsible human being are not part of my recovery because they absolutely are. Like, what's the point of my recovery if I end up homeless and fucking totally destitute again? Yeah. It's fucking stupid. It's totally backwards, dude. So I realized at that point that they didn't give a fuck about me. They were all about like pushing their agenda, promoting their fucking their newfound drug corp two point one, so that the powers uh, that be, you know, that stand above them and and you know are breathing down their neck all the time. We we give them a pat on the back and tell them, oh, good job, you know, way to way to stick it to these fucking drug addicts and and really make them feel the pain. And you know, so, I also think that their so-called drug court 2.1 it was uh, them scrambling to find some sort of solution for all these people who were falling because a lot of people got kicked out around that time and Rai Rai almost went to residential and I think they created 2.1 around him because our success, like I said before, our success in the program is a direct reflection on their um, success counseling us. And because they're failing at being, being good, uh, counselors to us and guiding us through recovery, it's, it's, it puts their job out the line and it puts their ability to, to maintain their career and put food on the table for their families on the line. So, because of this, they created this not to help us as much as it was to help themselves survive the, their position in their job. Because I'm sure Clark was, you know, breathing down their neck about this, which is the Clark. Clark is the guy who is the head boss at Drug and Alcohol, and so. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Well, no, I was just saying that you know, they they're you, it. I, I, it's hard for other people to understand, but because you and I are in the program, we, we can sense their intention and their energy. And I can tell there's a lot of fear in them, not for us relapsing as much as it is a fear of them, uh, getting fired or getting shit on by their boss for doing a shitty job being a counselor. So it, the, the punishment lately in drug court has increased tenfold, mainly because they're complete failures at um, helping us get through this program. And to be honest, a lot of that stems from this program not being designed adequately enough to ensure our recovery. I mean, so many people who are in the program with us have uh, flunked out, gotten deleted, had gotten sent to residential. Most of the people you and I started the program with are not in the program anymore, you know? 
the success rate in drug court is is horrible. And even the people who do end up graduating, you know, a large majority of them end up falling out as well. So it it's it's just fucked up, dude. I just well, and their only their only means of uh, of like keeping us okay. First off, if if we obviously if we get deleted, then their numbers go down and their statistics look bad. But if we have to go to jail, if we mess up, then it's the same. And if we go to residential, then they are no longer the county or the drug and alcohol services is no longer able to collect any uh, money based on our uh, attendance there for six months of that time. And so, in a sense, like, they're losing money, and uh, they're also, their numbers go down, because there's still a space that's filled that they can't fill with somebody else from the jail, but we're not around. And so, we're not putting in money towards Clark's fucking crooked-ass non-profit. We're not putting in money towards their stupid fucking mandatory fun nights. Oh, man. We're not there. And then, you know, so what what do they do to keep us around? Well, they just try to fucking scare us more. As if they didn't scare us enough with all their other rules. Like, their only means of providing us care is to scare us so much that we we just refuse to make uh, the choice to, like, go against what they have to offer. Or, the, or go against their their laws and regulations and rules and, you yeah. know, exactly. <sighs> So, anyway, uh, carry on with your story. Um, you, they talk to you in jail, and they tell you to do 2.1, and you go to court. Mind you, you, you had court on Friday. You're in custody. I show up to court not because I'm on record to go to court. I go to court just for, to support you and see when you get released so I can tell our employer when you will get out and return to work. Now... I was freaking out about this, so I go to back to my hidden secret location, pull out my lockbox. I have about five or six cottons, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't have a three-day weekend, but I could do these cotton rinses, and um, so before I go to court, I rush over there because uh, this undisclosed location opens at 8, so I open, I go in there, I do two cottons, and I feel okay, but, you know, it was kind of a cock tease. And then I go to court, see you go in and agree to 2.1, and then I get out, and I'm like, well, that wasn't really worth doing. And I go out and I get the four other cottons, rinse them out, and do those. And it was like, I felt it for a couple hours. And I'm like, ugh, that was just not worth it. And then I go about my day, um, and and let and I go to work that fr- that day and let um, our employer know that you'll. What day did you get released on Tuesday? I be- Tuesday. Yeah. What what just happened? Why'd you say fuck? Nothing. Oh okay. Okay. So anyway, so you get released. And now you're in drug court 2.1. Yep. And it's been a week and a half, and I just cannot, I cannot, uh, I will not bend and bow to them anymore. So, 
And and also, let, let's point out that they made you move back into sober living. They made me, yeah, they made me move back into sober living. They uh, lied to me and told me that he talked directly to Luciano. And Luciano told him that I was, that he was looking to replace me and that um, I probably wouldn't have a job there when I got out. Luciano's and, our, like, our oh, boss. Luciano, I said, really, did Luciano really say that to you? And he's like... Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, what I got out of it when I talked to him. But, uh, you know, I'll check in with him uh, later today and, and see if we can maybe help you out with something. And I knew he was lying because he doesn't fucking talk to Luciano. He doesn't even know how to get a hold of Luciano. And Luciano's our, our yeah, employer, man. by the way. Yeah, that's, the, that's another thing is... Um, our counselor is a fucking liar and he lies to us about shit to manipulate us. It is fucking... Insane, like I, I when the first few times I found out he lied to me, I was like stunned. Like you're allowed to lie to us at your in your job, and even if you are allowed to lie to us, how is that helping us? You know, because once we find out, and and this is a counselor who preaches honesty and being honest with them, and hey, come to me if someone else is getting loaded. You know, don't feel afraid to to um, come to us and let us know. And basically, is advocating for us to snitch on each other, which then pins us in the program against each other, and then we can't trust each other. And then, like, yeah. no one is feels um, comfortable to open up in group, to open up to our counselors. We're afraid of anything we say or do because we have this two-faced counselor who goes and manipulates us and lies to us and tries to scare us into self-admitting. I mean, I can count at least four or five times... I've known he's lied to my face, yet he preaches for us to not do the same thing to him and takes it personally when we lie to him. It's like, how are you going to lead by example when you go about fucking doing and treating us the way you have? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And it's another reason this program is a complete failure, in my opinion. You know? Absolutely. <sighs> Absolutely. So then we we're we're catching up to present time. You are in Middle House for I don't know like a week or so, mm -hmm. and you end up testing on a Saturday. I had gotten high again on a Friday because Martin Luther King Day was coming up, and I was like, oh, another three day weekend. Is is uh, I and I you know what I kept telling myself this is the last time I'm going to do this this is the last time I do this and then a, and three day weekends just kept popping up and popping up like uh, constantly and I was like man this is like my last chance to like do something and get away with it so I go back and uh, this is this is uh, kind of crazy but I end up um, doing a pretty fat goofball that Friday I. Uh, and what I what I would do is I would cook up. It wasn't huge, like what I the the piece of black and the piece of crystal that I put in the cooker. It probably wouldn't even have shown up on a digital scale. Probably wouldn't even showed up on a point. But it, my tolerance is so like by then it's down to zero. So I knew if I would do it, I'd still feel it really good. And um, 
I cook it up and then I would draw up some extra water. So it was like 80 parts or whatever. And then I'd piggyback half of that shot into another syringe. And so I would shoot up half of it and then I would save the other half. Well, what I ended up doing was, um, oh yeah, we had court that day. Again, I don't know how I had court that many times, but I had I ended up having I was on the calendar for court. I get out, I'm not getting tested, and I know Martin Luther King Day's coming up, and I go, and um, you had a fresh fresh rig, and uh, when I got out, I was like, hey, let me get that rig, and I end up going, and um, going to the I, I raced over to the to my storage unit and. Uh, you know, did half of that issue. And then I had the other half of my pocket. I raced over to your place, got your, your clean one. And then I, what I ended up doing is I went back to the storage unit. I sprayed out the other half that I didn't do in the cooker. I put more in, cooked that. And then I piggy, I, I piggybacked half of that in the freshie, uh, shot that up. And then I piggybacked the other half into the freshie and saved that for later hung out at my house, tweaked down on things, cleaned my room, got it all straight in order. And then I ended up um, doing the other ish at home. And I, I called our, our friend, uh, what was her nickname you called her? I forget. It was really funny earlier. But anyway, I hit her up for some, for more um, heroin because I was running low on the black I had gotten from someone else in drug court. And she was like, yeah, you're going to have to come to Paso at so-and-so time. So I was like, all right. I left at one uh, and went back to my storage unit, cooked up another ish, did half and piggybacked that in the freshie, went and picked up a gram off her in Paso. And on my way driving back down, I was like, okay, it's about 5 p.m. So from 5 p.m. from Saturday to Friday to Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday to Monday, that'll be at least 72 hours and that'll be enough to flush my system. So I go back to Slowtown and I'm like, I got to do this shot soon because five o'clock's coming up and, you know, 5 p.m. is about almost the deadline for testing when Tuesday hits. So... I go into a Taco Bell bathroom and I'm in there and, and lock the door and people are knocking on it and I'm like trying to rush this shot and I stick the, the, it was not as fresh, but it was the freshest one that I had from you for the day. I stick it in my vein and my forearm and while I'm pulling back, it keeps registering like blood. So I'm like, all right, it's good. But as I'm pushing in, I see my vein like filling up and bulging out of my arm and I'm like, what that's weird. So I would keep pulling back on the, the plunger of the syringe and it kept filling up with blood. So I was like, dude, I know I'm registering. So I was like, people are knocking on the door and I'm freaking out. So I just push it all in and my vein bulges up. And I know there's got to be some kind of medical condition where it's like, it's registered, but it's like not registered. Maybe there's holes in my veins or maybe I pushed it in too fast. I don't know, but it, it felt like a, I was like, well, I think I missed, but it didn't hurt. Like, you'll know if you miss because it'll it'll hurt like a bitch. And when I was pushing in it, I didn't feel any pain. So I was like, then I, I, I cleaned out my, I rinsed out my rig a few times and left. And I've, now I'm freaking out because I'm like, dude, my arm is like getting red. Uh, I'm freaking out and I'm talking to you about it. And, it happens all the time. It's totally normal. Yeah. And apparently. I think you just, you just blew it out. I blew out that vein. So, but I'm freaking yeah. out because I have my ex Lindsay. She had missed a shot of, of meth in her 
arm and it turned into an abscess and she had to get it cut open and drained. And like, it was very painful. And I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? I hope I'm able, I did a lot that day. I was like, I hope I can flush in time. So I looked and scoured the internet and apparently people were like, we'll take antibiotics. Well, I had some amoxicillin laying around. Long story short, I ended up taking moxicillin twice a day for a few days, and thank God it was not not a miss. The redness went down, the swelling went down, and it's almost, it's by now it's like almost completely gone, thank God. And um, But even though I'm like uh, fixing that part of myself, um, I'm freaking out. And also, a different girl hits me up and wants to hang out. She's into, She's moving to... <laughs> So she she invites me over to her. She's staying at her ex boyfriend's house, who's, and they got a bunch of roommates in Santa Maria. So then I drive where over. Is she, where is she I actually don't know. I don't know. But she had broken up. I was trying to hit on her for and get with her for a while, but she was kind of seeing someone. So I backed off. And then when they broke up, she was having like revenge sex with me. So I go to her house. She's in another room, not staying in her boyfriend's room, but in another room of the house. Ice gets snuck in there. And, and I, I told her, look, I need to, I got a confession to make. I got high on cocaine at work and this and that and the other. So I'm pretty tweaked out. And she's like, that's fine. So she's passed out and she wants to cuddle with me. So I'm like holding her in bed and I'm like wide awake, staring at the ceiling. Like, dude, I do not want to be holding this fucking girl, uh, right now. I want to be tweaking out on something I want to tweak out on. So you know, I, I wait for her to kind of fall asleep and I'm like, all right, I like, I kind of get her off of me and I get, I brought my laptop and I just start typing my phase up letter and my step three work. Cause you have to turn that into phase up and phase, the step three work was like 63 fucking questions. I ended up writing like eight pages of answers, like just, and she kept going, come cuddle, come cuddle. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I stay up till the fucking sunrise and I'm vaping in her room. And, oh, oh, mind you. Mind you, I had drinking a full four-shot espresso Starbucks and the biggest Red Bull you can buy. So I'm caffeinated the fuck out. I'm goofballed the fuck out. My heart is racing. Yeah, you're going to have a heart attack. Yeah. Well, I felt like I did the next day when I was coming off of it. Remember, I called you because... Yeah, I remember. I The next day, like... And this only happened to me once before when I was doing speedballs, like, all day... I started getting sharp, like for a split second at a time when the next day, and I felt like shit the next day. By the time the sun came up the next day, I was totally brain dead. And I was like, I need to go home. But I couldn't, still couldn't sleep. I was freaking out. I was like, dude, I, I hope this gets out of my system in time. I know I'm still high, but I think it was still the caffeine. But my brain was just drained of dopamine. I couldn't even come, I couldn't even put together sentences. So the next day, which was Saturday, I felt like shit. And um, later that day, I like, I mean, we'll get to what happened that day. But I, I for split seconds at a time, I felt sharp stabbing pains in my heart, like directly in the center of my heart. Like I was getting stabbed in the heart with a knife and it freaked me the fuck out. Like it happened three or four times. And it and I would grab my heart and be like, holy shit, holy shit. And I I'm sure it was because my heart was beating so rapidly and in enlarging that it was just couldn't take that much stimulants. And I it scared yeah. it scared the shit out of me. It scared the living shit out of me. Like, dude, if I don't fucking stop, I am gonna get a heart attack or I'm gonna get a stroke. 
and I'm going to be do I'm going to do I've already I'm already sure I'm sh- completely sure I'd probably done some permanent damage that and that if I don't get change my life and my health seriously I am not going to live very long even if I do it for yeah. one day I did it so excessively that I mean there's a difference between w- doing one shot that day and doing like four or five and drinking more caffeine than you ever need to do like I saw a video on the internet of this guy that drank like 10 Red Bulls and they show his chest and his heart is like red and beating and he's in the hospital and it's scary. So I was like, dude, this is fucked up. I can't believe I did this to myself. But later, before all those heart, like those, those were probably minor heart. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm pretty sure that those were like mini heart attacks I was having. And I'm, I'm 34 years old. I should not be getting heart attacks. My blood pressure isn't, I always get my blood pressure checked when I go to the doctor and it's always good. So I know it was these, these fucking drugs. Like it was fucking scary, but I got home that morning and you end up calling me cause it was a Saturday. And basically you had called me and said, Hey, I just tested for a uh, middle house, my sober living home. And I want to get high right now. And I looked and I was like, I had that gram I had bought in Paso and I hadn't even tried it yet because I still had the black. I was like, I'll just buy this and sit on it for another rainy day, which was stupid of me because I keep telling myself, oh, I want to stop. I want to stop. But I was like, the addict in me was like, dude, you want to have this and sit on it because I'm I'm actually very, um, I'm very, uh, I fuck, what's the word? I'm very like disciplined in um, getting something and not immediately doing it. I'm like, I'll do it when I know the time is right for me to do it that day and then have a few days to flush. So I just sat on it and you end up calling me and you're like, I just tested at my sober living. I want to get fucked up. It's a Saturday. They're not going to test me for, you know, um, drug and alcohol for a few days. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like an enabler because I was like, well, I have some at my house and I'll give you some. So yeah, you end up coming over doing a shot of this like powdery brown heroin that looks amazing. I haven't tried it yet. Um, why don't you talk about that and what happened? Yeah, I used to watch that. I used to watch that scene in Pulp Fiction while I was getting high, where he has the three types of yeah. heroin. This is like brown monkey. This is like from this. Yeah. Oh, that was that. Ugh, it felt so. You know, it feels so good to like get high while you're watching someone else get high in a movie. It's so satisfying. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I digress. Yeah. Um. I felt like I was in that scene because I was in your room in the back of the house and uh, you pulled that out and it was just like all in the bag just like nice and tight and super like it looked different than what I'm used to seeing yeah we're used to black tar yeah like really rocky like hard black like you know glass almost I was sketched out because I thought it might have fentanyl in it Cause easily, yeah, well, I didn't okay. I was excited. Yeah. And, uh, I opened it up and it had the smell, man. Like it, like almost made me want to gag because it was so strong. And I uh, put that in the cooker, man, and uh, it was very 
very lovely. It was one of the most pleasant rushes I've had in a long time. And um, I just remember at that moment, I realized, like, okay, I'm not going to make it through drug court. Like, this isn't going to happen. As soon as you did that issue? As soon as you did that issue, you figured that out or realized that? Yeah. So right then I had two choices. I had either accept my situation or I could panic and, and freak out and, you know, do something drastic. And I kind of did something in between, but uh, I've been going back and forth between my decisions for the last like, few days because, I, you know, it was, that was Saturday, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm just not going to get high anymore. And Sunday came, and I was fine. I didn't do anything. Monday came, and I... We had the same thing happen to me as it did to you. Like, I didn't drug test that day. And I knew I was probably clean at that point, you know, flushed. And well, Monday was Martin Luther King Day. So yeah, we didn't have... Martin Luther King Day. We didn't have testing, we didn't have class. And, yeah. and I, had, uh, I had a free day, so... I was like, well, you know, I'm clean and flushed. I don't have to worry about what I did on Saturday. But what I do want to do is go pick up some more, some more of that powder for a rainy day. So that way I'd have it, you know, for... Maybe this Friday, you know, in case uh, in case the stars aligned, and I had no intention at all of, of doing it on Monday. But when I went and picked it up from Sugar Lumpkins, she, uh, Sugar Lumpkins, that's she automatically right. started offering me. You know, she was like, "Let's go get, uh, let's go do shots together." And she took me to this guy's house who builds his own guitars and like super chill. He's a He's a fucking, like, college graduate, you know, like, he's a well-to-do guy, he has his own pad, very comfortable environment, and uh, I was just like, you know what, I'm tired of waiting, I'm doing it now. And I proceeded to get righteously fucking high all day. And then, of course, uh, Tuesday came, and uh, well, I we, again, but we had a We had a long conversation, we had a, we had a long conversation at that Monday, you had called me because you were you were at uh, so and so's. Uh, you were at Blondie's twenty um, second birthday party, and you guys were trying to get me to come out, but I was working on my phase up letter, finishing it up for Tuesday, because I wanted to turn it in because I had to turn it in by Tuesday to phase up to phase four, and I knew there was something about you because I can tell when my friends are loaded, and I was like, I texted you, I was like, are you high? And you're like, I'll call you later. And you called me later. And we had a really long discussion about your situation. Yeah. And I can't even remember what that conversation uh, consisted of, honestly. Well, it, it consisted of talking about your situation and your options. You you were telling me that you were at a point in drug court where you were just like ready to max out. Because you were talking about maxing out before, but by the time you were high... It, I I'll, I told you like you getting high today was almost like you subconsciously um, making a decision that would ensure that you make it. Yeah. Instead of like just saying, Hey, I want to max out sober. You got loaded almost for the sole purpose of, of placing you in a situation where you had to max out. I think because by then you were, you were so fed up. Yeah. You were so fed up with the program and what, how they were treating you through your relapses that you were 
just you were every day you were pissed off and frustrated and you know when I had to fast track I w- I felt the same way I was mad and frustrated about having to redo the program and so I understand that but they fucked you over way more than they fucked me over uh and I I would imagine that frustration was 10 times more furious than what I had to what I had gone through and felt so I think by you doing, and it was also you, it was like the opportunity was there to get high and it's hard for us as addicts to say no when it's, you know, uh, I know your intentions were just to get it and hold on to it. But when, you know, a friend or a so-called friend offers to get you clean rigs and let's do it right there, it's really hard to say no, you know? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. we had a long decision about your options, whether you could, uh, you know, try and, um, flush until they called your color maybe they wouldn't call your color for a few days and you could get through and pass or if you were going to actually max out or whatnot and um the next day i don't think you told me but you got loaded the next day too um and then this last wednesday is when all this recent shit happened and you got a random at your sober living house on wednesday and when they, I guess when they write your name on the board, you have until 5 p.m. the next day to test, and then no, no, that was Tuesday. That night. was tu- the Tuesday night. Yeah, pretty much. And that's it. And that, yeah, and that's at the Silver Living House. Yeah, Tuesday night on my birthday, uh, we thought you would be good because they didn't call your color for drug court, but then they ended up putting you on the random board for sober living, and that was basically the breaking point where you're like, all right, I'm gonna go on the run. And then today, which is Wednesday, we had a probation meeting, and you were like, "Well, I'm on the run, basically." And you met you did since you didn't go to the morning probation meeting, like you usually do. They ended up giving you a random uh, at drug court for the evening probation meeting, which you didn't show up to. And um, do you think that's why they put me on the random board? Because I didn't come in in the morning. I think it was because you didn't come in the morning, and I bet you anything. After, they talked to Kenneth, yeah. Yeah, I bet they talked to Kenneth, who's the head of your sober living home, and he had said what you had told him, which is that you're going to max out. So I'm sure they were going to try and do anything they could can't they could to catch you, because they I'm sure they suspected you were getting loaded again, uh, if you were preparing to max out. And, um, that's why they randomed you. I'm sure that they had talked to him and he had said, Hey, he's probably, you know, this, that, and the other. So, um, now you are basically, and then after, you know, you, I saw you at work today and, uh, after the probation, probation meeting ended at like six or so, Corey, our counselor tried to call you and, um, Obviously, you didn't answer because all he's going to say is, what's going on? You missed um probation meeting and you missed a random. You need to turn yourself in and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to... He probably wouldn't have said it, but I know for a fact they would have uh tested you in court once you turned yourself in and recommended residential or kicked you out of the program. So, you know, either way, they... It, if you had done what they consider the right thing and turn yourself in and face your sanction for what tests you had missed and everything you'd done, they would have just sent you to a six month or possibly a 12 month residential program, which is not something you want to do 
or it just made you max out. Um, and then you'd sit there and do your time until you get released. So, you know, honestly, if I was in that situation, I would, I, in our, in your shoes, I'd probably do the same thing. It's like, if I'm going to turn myself in, I'm going to turn myself in on my terms. I'm going to, um, I'm going to defy you guys because you're fucking me over and you're giving, you're, you're giving me such a hard time that I'm going to go and do what I want as long as I'm able to. And, um, I will figure out how to max out on my, on my decision. I'm taking back. It's basically you taking back your freedom for once, you know? That is precisely it. Yeah. And that's where we are right now. You're currently hiding out in an undisclosed location. I, I will not say where you are, but you're in you're a place that's safe that they don't know about. And yep. now what have you th- have you thought about what your next step is going to be? Um well, I've been told by the uh by the person whose place I'm at here, they said I can uh put all my clothes in their closet in this guest room and then I can leave my car in the parking uh, in their, they have two parking spaces here one is open because they only have one car they said I can park my car here as long as I need to and I can stay here for you know few days and then if I want to go see my mom or my sister I can leave whatever stuff I need to here and then uh, I can you know and I can leave all my stuff here if I go to jail Okay, um, are you planning on going to see your family out of this town and then, um, calling court, like you said, to schedule and doing what, uh, Sugar Lumpkins did and, um, scheduling a court date to figure that out? Cause she, didn't she go on the run? She went on the run as well, Correct. She got kicked out of drug court and went, she went on the run and so they kicked her out of drug court and yeah and she's been on the run ever since so does she so. still have a warrant out for her arrest or apparently not because she showed up to court and they didn't take her in so how did she get that court date she called court herself and scheduled a, mm-hmm. a, a date yeah put herself on the calendar oh nice so that's honestly, I think the best course of action for you. It. Uh, let me ask you this: If you go and visit your family and they know you're loaded, are they gonna like make you leave, or what do you think they're gonna do? Uh, no, they're not gonna make me leave, and uh, I'm really not gonna. Like, I, I really feel good about this when I say it. Like, I'm not gonna be loaded when I go see them. Okay. Um, I, may, I may get loaded around that time, but not when I'm with them. Yeah. Um, fuck, man, dude. This is such a bummer for me because, first of all, I really enjoy doing the podcast with you. Every time we did the podcast, it may have took a lot of energy out of us, but it, I had, I've always had so much fun doing this with you. And um, you're the only person I ever considered being a part of this with me. Um, you are the perfect person. You still are. And I want to continue to do this podcast with you and it just sucks, dude. And, and secondly, I feel super bad 
and I feel super guilty about approaching you that one day on Thanksgiving and being like, Hey, I'm going to get loaded over Thanksgiving. And, um, and just, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't even remember how I worded it or how I approached you with it, but I was like, I'm getting some and, and I, and I know that you were like, well, I want some too. And then, you know, I helped us obtain it. And, uh, I feel like a piece of shit, honestly. And I think a lot of the reasons why these three day weekends come up and I, I end up relapsing again is because of the guilt I feel, you know, when, of, you know, introducing you to that. And, um, I don't think I'll ever forgive myself for that. And I'm sure people who would listen, if this, if this recording ever gets uploaded in the future, I'm sure a lot of people out there are going to look at me like I'm a piece of shit for being one of the reasons that you did relapse and this happened to you. I mean, obviously drug court hasn't treated you fairly about this and, and they have a lot to blame for you, um, rebelling, you know, because of the way they treated you on the way they treated you unfairly. But dude, honestly, Ryan, like, I feel like I am to blame also. And I just want to apologize for, for doing that. I feel like I, I, I can't even ex- like, I guess the reason I, I take what's happening to you so, so hard is cause I feel responsible and I feel like a piece of shit. And, um, honestly, like, the, and uh, I should have said no, and I didn't want to say no. I was already, like, planning on, on going out. You just happened to present the opportunity in a, in a way that was a much safer uh, option for me than the way I was going to go. B, um, honestly, dude, like, I'm actually, like, sitting here right now, and I have no qualms or regrets about my situation at the present time. I'm actually kind of, uh, I don't know, I feel like this is, is, is crazy as it sounds, like this is actually the right uh, way for me to go, like this feels right to me, it's, it's like, obviously not the necessarily the easiest route that I could have gone, but at the same time, I feel like I get to have some of my identity back um, before this program is over, because that's the thing that they took from me, they took away my identity and told me who to be and told me how to be and told me where to live, how to live, who to live with, who to talk to, who not to talk to. And and all of those things that they told me uh, did not fucking cure me. They did not do anything for me other than rob me of my ability to make choices on my own and feel confident in who I am in making those choices. So, do I think that I've made the greatest choices by, like, going out and using again? No. But do I believe that, I mean, that, do I think that I need them or their fucking stupid-ass program to set me back on the right track and, and uh, you know, allow me to, to regain my footing and continue to live a good life? Fuck no, dude. I can absolutely do that myself. You know, I absolutely can believe 
in myself enough to know that I can handle anything that's coming my way. And even though I was so close to finishing the program uh, when I fucked up, you know, I am I am right now. I'm at the point where I feel like I'm I'm done with the program, and it feels good. And whether or not I have to do jail time, honestly, like jail's not going to be fun. But it's not. It's I feel better about going in there and doing hard time in a short amount of, in a short period of time rather than doing this long drawn out fucking game that they call drug court because let's face it dude if if I fucking if I restart the program and then you know fucking nine months down the road I uh I forget my MRT book and so I have to wait 30 days to to, uh, to phase up and then you know and then uh in, within that 30 days I get my first dilute in this in this round of drug court so I gotta wait another 30 days to phase up. Well, they're just adding more and more time to my sentence. Every little petty fucking mistake. And that is not gonna happen, dude. I am not gonna fucking stand for that. I'm not gonna be around or privy to their little game that they're playing where they get off on fucking, you know, playing with our freedom and our fucking, uh, and our happiness. So. Yeah. And and honestly, that's what they do. Like our counselors, they they all it, it almost seems like they don't want to see our success in many ways, right. or they want to do anything they can to hold us back from graduating, um, unless we run a a hundred percent perfect program. And it's like, how are you going to expect? an addict fresh in recovery to do every little detail that you want us to do. It's like, okay, we already were using and abusing drugs when we had just the average uh, human's uh, amount of responsibility set upon us, and we're trying to deal with like traumas from our past and take on all this responsibility of adulthood that we would use drugs to help us get through that that so now when we get out of jail you expect us to handle all those responsibilities we couldn't handle before and tax on these other responsibilities that a normal human being would find strenuous you know but at least a normal human being can do something like smoke a joint or drink a beer or take kratom or do something that's not as harmful to get through their life. I mean, so many other people out there, they do smoke weed when they get off work or they do drink a beer, you know, and, and they manage their life perfectly. Like when I was smoking weed and even when I was in the program and just taking Kratom, I was do, I was running a perfect program on Kratom. I, I would, and I was dating a girl who was strung out cheating on me, you know, and I was able to handle that a lot better than if I'm stone cold sober just drinking coffee, vaping nicotine, you know, and, and you know, remember when I overdosed, that was like a few weeks of getting off Kratom. Cause I tested dirty for Kratom and did my sanction. And then when I couldn't take Kratom anymore, I got a travel pass and I fucking went and I got, and I overdosed and got Narcan cause I knew I couldn't take Kratom. It was fucking ridiculous, you know? And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, if, I, I actually, when I think about that overdose, I, I don't know how I'm alive today. And I'm, I mean, obviously it's my decision and my fault, but it's also a direct reflection on how they're treating us. I mean, oh, fuck, the call ended. All right, I'm going to have to call him back. Hold on, you guys. Holy shit, everybody. That was... I don't think we've ever done a recording that long. Ever. It's... Hey, are you there? Yeah. Sorry, the call got cut off. Um, But where were we? So, yeah, it's... I don't know, dude. I, I've never... Drug court is so different now than when we first started, and it's just a fucking bummer because so many people who are in the program longer than me and and others who I started the program with, they're either on the run in other towns or they have been were on the run and got caught and are getting kicked out, and people are getting kicked out of this program left and right, and a lot of people who graduated ended up selling again, and they are also in jail and it's just a direct reflection of how in how um inadequate and unsuccessful this program is and um i told you this before being in this program is like being placed in a slingshot that's cocked back for eight, at least 18 months and you're spending 18 months of being in like this like strenuous position where your like muscles are like like tightened and stressed and you have to like act like a person you may not necessarily be for 18 months and put on this happy face whether you have it or not and then at the perfect explanation of what happened to me and then at the same time you're afraid to open up to counselors because they'll use that against you to punish you more so now you're not you you're you're with someone who's telling you oh you should open up to me you should open up to me but you know the minute you do they're going to try and create a punishment for you that makes your uh journey through this program even more strenuous and more fearful so you don't feel comfortable opening up to your counselors you don't even feel comfortable opening up to other people in drug court because you're afraid they're going to snitch you out to your counselor so you really aren't able to open up to anybody. You would almost have to have an additional therapist outside of drug court just to be able to open up to someone, you know? So, and I mean, uh, the, uh, I, I mean, I have my qualms with them making us do the 12-step program and, and talk about a higher power because, you know, my definition of a higher power or what God is is entirely different I mean, I I do believe in a higher power, but not their version of a higher power. Yet I have to write an essay about why their version of a higher power or what they want my version of a higher power to be is like, you know, you have to like, what first step, admit that you're powerless against drugs and alcohol. Well, first of all, I think it's very possible for you to have power over your addiction. I think one of the biggest ways to get clean is to to regain power of yourself over your addiction, but to say, I need to put all my control over to God and have God control me. It's like that makes you feel inadequate and you feel like you are incapable of doing it. And I think we're entirely capable of doing it. And I just, it's hard for me to even understand the kind of concepts they're trying to indoctrinate us into believing. So you have to put on this, like, this face for them. You have to put on this dance, like, 
for them that they want to hear and regurgitate stuff you may not necessarily understand or believe in just to get through a pr- this program. And then by the time you do graduate, if you graduate, you are so fed up with having to put on this pony show for them that by then, relapsing and using is almost not even about getting high. You almost get higher when you use in the fact that by you using, you're defying all this fucking horseshit that they're trying to, uh, you know, weigh down on you and control you with that, you know, it's like, yeah, you're getting high, but almost like the get a, like almost, you know, like when the hippies would smoke weed in the 60s, like they would smoke weed to get high, but they also were smoking weed to protest the Vietnam War. Well, us getting high in drug court is almost like a protest against them enslaving us into this like structure that we may not fit the mold to. You know what I'm saying? And and the other thing with drug testing is, you know, honestly, when I do get out of the program, I don't want to be injecting drugs. I really just want to smoke weed, which is legal in California, and take Kratom because Kratom has helped me with my cravings against opiates more than methadone or Suboxone ever would. And it's a million times, a million times safer than those things. And, and how they treated me during my Kratom incident and... And for them to like, cause when I was in prop 36, they knew I was taking Kratom and I did great. You know, I, I got off heroin and I, it helped me with my, I would literally watch my ex shoot up in front of me on Kratom and I wouldn't use if, if I wasn't on Kratom, it may be a whole different story. But the fact that I, I can take a substance that doesn't harm me and I can stay productive and it, I mean the def, what's the definition of addiction is when a, uh, uh, a drug is what preventing you from it's, Fuck, what is, I forget. The addiction is uh, the definition of addiction is like when you take it to the point where you're losing control and and stability in your life, and you're you know it's it becomes more important than maintaining a job or getting through school or what. Well, I was doing great maintaining my job on kratom, and I was doing that with weed too. So it's like for them to try and push antidepressants on us, which I, I personally hate antidepressants in the way they make me feel and Suboxone on us, which getting off Suboxone is almost, and is harder than to get off than heroin. You know, it's like, why can't I, I alleviate symptoms in a homeopathic natural way from plants than chemical pharmaceuticals that have horrible side effects on us. But our counselor Corey is so brainwashed into pushing antidepressants on us or mood stabilizers that can cause suicidal thoughts when you are on them or when you're trying to get off them and pushing Suboxone on us, which makes them money. You know, it's just so the hypocrisy of it all is so um, convoluted and it's so one sided. And, um, I'm just not okay with it. And it sucks because I'm still stuck in this program. You are, you were at a, in a situation where they were trying to control you so much that defiance, like I, I would become defiant as well. And, um, I totally understand why you are taking a stand against this program because of how they were treating you. I mean, they've lied to both of us. They've mistreated both of us and they've, tried to to um talk down to us and belittle us 
you know, and treat us like shitty people for relapsing when we as addicts, relapsing is a part of recovery. So to treat a relapse like, oh, well, now we're going to put you in a cage and we're going to fucking punish you for doing something that most addicts do throughout their recovery. It's just, uh, it's a, it's not helping us like in the most simplest terms, it doesn't fucking help us. And, uh, and to be honest, like seeing how they treated you, seeing how they treated John. I mean, remember how they treated John? Like they treated him like a piece of shit, dude. You know, and I don't blame him for running away too. They they treat people shitty, and they treat some people better than other people. You know, um, it's just fucked up, dude. I don't know. What is your take on it? I totally agree. I, I think that they uh, take everything personal. They act like. Um they act like they're a couple of uh, schoolgirls. Um, they basically treat the whole situation like it's them against us. You know, they've they've gone from trying to be our counselors and our and our trusted fucking uh, you know our friends to now they are the fucking people that are basically the medium between us and the cops. And so they get to play this fun game of how much power do I have over you? And uh, what are you willing to do in order to please me? So that way you can prevent me from uh, from getting the cops involved and, and having you sent back to jail. I mean, but at the same time, they look at each of us as like a means to an end for their, for their careers because, you know, they signed up to be family and marriage therapists. And since there was no open slots available in that in that field for them, they the county told them they had to, you know, they could get jobs as drug and alcohol counselors, and uh, you know, still receive benefits and a retirement pension. And so they took it, but now they're stuck in doing this work that they didn't even go to school to get certified for. Um, and then you know, you told me how how Corey went to fucking only went to get certified because it would extend his unemployment. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me one bit. So you know, and Corey's always talking about how he's got 16 more years of this program until he can retire. So you know what? They need to keep this program alive. And the only reason they can, the only way they can keep this program alive is to keep people scared or too scared to to drop out of it once they sign up for it. And so. You know, when they bring people in from the jail, they only pick people that they believe they can easily brainwash and, uh, you know, scare into continuing in this program until the bitter end. Because when you see people like Ernest, who has some major charges, uh, fucking get maxed out and then be out of jail in three weeks, or, you know, our other friend, uh, you know, I don't want to name names, but uh, that chick who just fucking maxed out, and she only got two months. And uh, other people that have done, who have ended up maxing out and gotten three months and two months. And they do a vastly different amount of time in jail than, than what was told by, to them by their counselors when they were threatened with maxing out. Um, you know, we realize that they are lying to us and utilizing fear tactics to fucking control us and they have no interest in helping us recover they only have an interest in controlling us and once 
we become uncontrollable. They will do everything in their power to control everything around us, meaning they will make sure that the public county that you're, you ran to to let them know you're on probation. They'll make sure that they fucking, you know, go searching high and low to find you. And they probably talk to your friends inside and outside of the program to find out where you might be at at any given time so they can come bust you. Um, you know, they put on this bullshit show in court, like, oh, if anybody's seen so-and-so, please have them contact probation just so we, to make sure that they're safe. They never say have them call probation. They always say, have them, have them go to probation. It's fucking retarded. If you want to know that they're safe, just have them call. Yeah. And the the yeah, only the only reason they ask people, oh, we're con- they act like they're so concerned and want to know where they are. The main reason they want to know where someone is who's on the run is so they can fucking shove it in their face and throw them in jail and be like, ha ha, this is you you went on the run and defied us, so we're gonna punish you, and this is what you get for um, going against us and, you know, this is what you get for this. And like, they get off on giving people sanctions. I mean, even said himself, like when, uh, ruthless toothless was on the run, he was like, Oh man, I, I'm going to enjoy going to court for this one. And he gets off on, on them getting harsh sanctions. He gets off on that. You know, and it's fucked up. And then another thing is when, like, what Corey used to do when we were in group and people got deleted from the program, he would be like, oh, where's so-and-so? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, where's Lauren? Ha, ha, ha. You know, and it's like, you're fucking making fun of people who have legitimate addiction issues and fucking real struggles through uh, getting clean, and you're sitting there laughing about them while they're out there hiding in a fucking bush in a tent or hiding in a fucking creek bed from you and you're sitting in group joking to other people and laughing about it and I'm like if if that were me and I were on the run would you be like laughing about me would you be fucking poking fun and making fun of my affliction are you serious right now and you're supposed to be a drug counselor who's supposed to be here to help us and be concerned about our well-being yet you're sitting there wanting to go to court and seeing us fail wanting to see us get harsher sanctions and wanting us to go to jail because your program is such bullshit that people who have serious addiction problems are not successful in getting through it directly because of the way you are treating us and it, 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 it infuriates me to be honest the way I've been treated the way you've been treated, the way other people have been treated, and we just have to sit there and take it if we want to graduate the yeah. program. We just have to get let them stick their fucking judicial cock up our ass and 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 ask for more and tell them it feels good and basically get raped for them to finally like release us and by then it it'll take months or if not years to readjust into real life society with like waking up in the morning and, and not having to like think about having to call for testing and not having to think about that. And then like by then we are so fed up, like 
I I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like it, it's gonna be. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get a medical card and have to get kratom on standby when I get out, or I will immediately go out and use just because I am so pissed off and fed up with this program, you know. And it's it's fucked up, dude. I just our counselors are like. I want to see the good in them, and I want to be like, yeah, you know, they do go out of their way to help people at times. But they also have a fucking dark side, dude, where they do some really like sociopathic kind of shit to to people in the program and treat us like pieces of dirt that they can step on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know, dude. And and where we go from here, I, I don't know. Like I what I hope happens in your situation is that you get to do the things you want to do before you um, either turn yourself in or what I what I hope more than anything is that you get in get in a location well like you are in now that's safe that they don't know about and um, and f- so you have some space and time and freedom to uh, plan your next course of action call the courts and get a, a date set up that where you won't like get immediately thrown in jail and that you can get transferred into prop 36 hopefully and um and get through the program that way without having to max out and if you have to max out then i hope that you do it and you know you you while you're in there maxing out that you plan what your next move is when you get out to ensure your success. Cause I don't want to see you ever in a position where you're strung out. And, um, and I'm not saying you're strung out now, like you've gotten high a few times, but I wouldn't say, I mean, you very well could do that, but I, I want to see you successful. Like honestly, Ryan, like what I see for you in the future is only successful things. I see you getting your diet and exercise. Like you, you got your diet and exercise on track in a more successful way than I've seen anyone else do in my entire life. Like you were a lot skinnier when you were in jail and you got out and you bulked the fuck up. You got healthy. And not only that, you got really knowledgeable about nutrition and everything. You could be a a trainer a personal trainer, a nutritionalist, and a dietitian all at once. And you could, that could be, because I know that interests you, that could be a career for you, and you could make a really good living out of doing that, you know? Uh, it's, it's actually, uh, I don't want to what I want to go to school for. And I think that's what you should do. I think you should get out, be free, go to school, and get your degree or certificate in nutritional special like specialists and and just keep up with that and like I think that would be really good for you. You could start your own if business. Man, if I man said I'm gonna buy some books on like nutrition and all that and have you like send them into the jail for me. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, just know that like no matter what happens or what you choose to do, I'm here to help you through this part of your life in any way possible any fucking way possible do me, do me a favor just in case I do decide to work this weekend will you when you're going to process group tomorrow right am I what you're going to process group tomorrow I am going to process group tomorrow yes will you please will you please mention just in passing just be like cause you know they're gonna talk about me I'm sure just be like 
personal conduct, okay? Because I want that to get back to probation so that I, if I do decide to work, you know, maybe that'll prevent them from, if they were thinking about trying to fucking, you know, nail me down there, maybe that'll prevent them from wasting their time and trying to come around and get me, okay? Oh, definitely. I'll definitely do that. I mean, I, I was thinking about mentioning how your what what was going on with you bummed me out, but I didn't know if I should. But I will definitely, no, definitely do. I will definitely but do that. that. But beyond that, if, and if they be like, play it off like you don't know where I am. If honestly, it's better if they think I left the county than if they think I'm still here. I want them to not bother looking for me. Yeah. If they if they ask me where you went, should I give them a different area? Like say, hey, he went up north to uh, San Francisco or something. You know. Don't tell them anywhere specific. Just be like, dude, he left town. He said he was gonna go see uh, family. Just don't say who and don't say where. Cause I have family all over. I'll just I'll just say. Or you know what? No, you can say that I ran to Oregon because I'm not gonna do that at this point. You should be like, I think. Yeah. He, like, because Shauna yeah, also was saying, Shauna was also saying that uh, you had told her you were thinking about running to Oregon, I think. Yeah, I want everybody to think that that's where I went. So that way, because like when fucking disappeared, they were all about looking for him and, and until they heard that he fucking ran out of the state and then they just completely forgot about him. Same with everybody, dude. Everybody that's like left this, the state, they just, they just give up. They don't even bother trying to look for them anymore. Yeah. Well, then I'll say, I'll say when I talk to you that you, you, you got fired from Lalaconda and you just took your things and left for Oregon. You said, or yeah. that you were planning on going to Oregon, you know. You say that I got fired from Lalaconda because I didn't show up for work. Um, and da, da, da. and then Sean is going to try to hit up Lucas and Steve. So I'm going to have to tell them that they are absolutely not to fucking tell her the truth because fucking Steve is big mouth dude he just cannot fucking like he just wants to see me fucking burn I guess and yeah. yeah I don't know what's up with fucking Steve he's 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 getting drunk all the time again to me Steve's a raging alcoholic and he's he even admitted to me he's like I'm drinking again and you know I know he felt bad about it but I I don't know what the I don't know what the fuck his deal is dude I really can't figure him out or why he does the things he does you know yeah, he acts like he's my buddy, but then he, like, goes and, like, it, it, dude, I will straight up tell him something and be like, hey, Steve, do not tell anybody this, please. And then, like, he literally, like, literally right in that moment will turn around and be like, oh, I just told a few people that, what you just told me. Like, what? Like, oh, my God, it makes me so mad, dude. Yeah, that's a big piece of shit move right there. I don't know. Yeah, especially when... Especially when the shit that I'm talking about, like, is, like, you know, is fucking, uh, like, my freedom is contingent on. Like, I'm not just telling him that I, that I ate uh, the ice cream that you had in the freezer last week. No, dude, I'm fucking telling him some shit. Like, if it gets shared with anybody, it's gonna be a matter of my freedom being taken away from me again. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And he just doesn't fucking understand or give a shit. No, and that's a problem with the program too. Is you can't trust people in the program because they can re uh, reveal information to our counselors that will affect our freedom. And it's happened to me where someone snitched me out for kratom, 
and I ended up, you know, getting caught up and going to jail and getting a sanction and having a fast track all because someone opened their mouth about things I was doing. And it's like, it's fucked up, dude. It's fucked up. And that doesn't fucking help us. So anyway, is is it, this podcast episode. Goodbye, everybody. Is there anything else you uh, want to... I, I think we're kind of burnt out. It's been two hours and almost 40 minutes of this. And uh, yeah. I think we we unloaded a lot of our feelings and a lot of our situation on people. And I, I honestly don't even know what to say. If there is anything else we can say after this. or And I'm pretty sure you're, like, all talked out. Um, I'm sure there's other things you want to do while you're loaded. Uh, but is there anything else you want to say while we're here recording? Not, not at this point in time. All right, buddy. A different episode. Okay, well, um, how about this? I will call you tomorrow sometime and, uh, check in, I'll check in with you, see how you're doing, see what you're trying to do or what your next course of action is. You know, be safe, obviously. Uh, you're my brother. And you're one of my best friends. You're 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 like one. Of, you're my best friend, Ryan. Like no shit. Yeah. I know you're sure. you're a very charismatic person, and you make friends really easily. And I'm way more like introverted, and it's a lot harder for me to open up and get close to people. But like since I've you met are you, not introverted. well, in some ways I am. You know, okay. I do isolate a lot, uh, but. I open up to you more than I open up to anyone else that I've met in this program. And I've, you know, I, I was kind of unsure. Like if you were, I'm, I feel like a, I'm not trying to be thing, but I feel like I opened up to you and got really close to you and you were probably still like, Oh, who is this guy? I don't know him very well, but I feel like over time of us hanging out, we've got, you've gotten to know me very well. And, um, you know, I, I don't want anything to affect our friendship. Like, even though you're dealing with this, I like no matter what fucking happens, whether you go to jail or whether you hide out for a while and I don't see you for a while, I want as soon as you get through this bullshit, even while you're like memorize my phone number, I'll put money on the phones so you can call me if you ever do get a, you know caught up and they catch you. I'm gonna do everything. I need to get you my. I need to get you a spare key to my car. But just in case I get caught up and they catch me and I haven't gotten you a spare key, Shauna still has my spare key. I'll get it from her if I if I can. Um, if there's any point in time in the next like couple months where you and I are talking on a regular basis like we do, and then all of a sudden you can't get a hold of me for a few days, check the jail website. Okay, I will. And, you know, I, mean? you know, I will and, do... What were you going to say? Yeah. What you were, well, and if you see that my name's on there, then, you know, if you haven't heard from me, I don't know, come visit me. So if there's anything like my car or any loose ends that I need you to, like, help me with, like, I can, I can you know, tell you. Well, also, memorize my phone number. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to have to bleep that out so a bunch of random people don't call me if I ever upload this, but yeah. or if we ever upload this. But like I said, like I'm going to stay in touch with you. If there's anything you need me to do to help prepare for your next step, just let me know. If you need to put stuff in my storage, if you need me to get a spare key to your car, or if, you like I said, say stuff in group to help you out, 
anything you need me to do, I will fucking help you. Like, I'm going to do everything. I was, really, I was really touched tonight when we were talking in the alleyway. And, you know, I feel like this whole decision, every time I've talked to you or anybody else about what I'm doing right now, like, everybody has responded to me like I'm being completely reckless and crazy. Whereas, like, I feel really good and, and empowered by my by my decision. But, like, today in the alleyway, like, I could tell that you weren't just, like, like, you weren't just, like, thinking I was crazy. You were, like, genuinely, I mean, like, genuinely, like, upset and, like, worried and concerned about, like, my well-being and, like, the potential that, you know, like, this may harm me and that, you know, it may affect me negatively. Like, you were, like, that actually, like, bothered you. And that, and I, I totally saw that. And I was like, dude, this guy is, like, this guy is my fucking homeboy because he, he, he really fucking cares. No, and you know, I, I'm glad you, you know that because I really do fucking care about your well-being, dude. Like, I want you to have, I want you to have success and I want you to have the best things in life. Like, I, I really do because I think you're a really fucking awesome person, Ryan. You really fucking are. I was almost like about to get teared up because... Like, yeah, I could tell. That's what I'm saying. Like, and, I could see you getting cheered up. And I don't. And I'm not. I don't ever want to be like. I'm never like. Just know I'm never mad or frustrated with the decisions you make. But I'm just bummed out that these decisions are going to cause repercussions from a program that's bullshit and treating you in a shitty way. Because we are obviously know the consequences of of things we do while in this program. But, um, it, I just, I just, it's, I feel shitty. Like I feel bad that this, that they're treating you this way and that you're having to deal with this because all I want from you is, um, to live a good, happy life. Like you deserve it. You're a good fucking person. We have both done horrible things in our past, but I can tell you genuinely want to better yourself. And I've seen you better yourself more than anyone else in this fucking program. You're the fucking, they call you the goddamn poster boy of, of drug court for like the whole you know, year. You know what happened the other day at middle house? Um, so it was like eight o'clock at night and, um, we had just had our house meeting and like all of, uh, a lot of the guys had left the house to go get cigarettes or, you know, hang out for a couple hours somewhere before they had to be home at 10. And I had just, uh, I ran to Rite Aid and I came, I pulled up in my car and uh, I went there to pick up uh, my my prescription for naltrexone just so I'd have it. Yeah. And I'm sitting there in my car, and like, I uh, nobody else is there. So I get out of my car, and I'm walking like slowly towards the stairs while I'm like looking at my prescription bottle. And I notice a couple of guys out the corner of my eye, and I look up, and it's probation. And it's this guy named Darby and this other dude. And uh, I've never seen these guys before ever. Yeah. So I was, they were like, hey man, I, um, do you know if Brent is here? And I was like, uh, no, he's not. I was like, that's my roommate, actually. He, uh, he just left. I believe he only went to get cigarettes, so he should be back in a minute. Um, and they're like, okay, well, um, are you on probation? You know, and I was like, yeah, I am. I am, in fact, on probation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're like, who's your officer? I said, and they were like, oh, so you're drug court. I was like, yeah, I'm on drug court. And they're like, all right, well, what's your name? I was like, Ryan. And they're like, 
huh, you were just in custody, weren't you? And I was like, yeah, I was. Uh, I, yeah, but uh, I was like, I just got out on Tuesday, and I just moved back into here. And they're like, okay, so you were... You were living, uh, you were living with Matthew, were you not? And I was like, yeah, he was my roommate at the last house I was at. And they were like, oh, so you're the golden child of drug court. I was like, I was the golden child of drug court. I was like, I am no longer the golden child of anything. <laughs> they were like, okay, well, right on, man. Well, yeah, we've, uh, we've heard your name passed around and, uh, yeah, how's Matt doing? You know, and I was like, oh, he's doing great, dude. He's a sous chef at Mama's. Like, he's he's really good. And uh, just to help Matt and Julia, I was like, they actually, uh, I don't know if they're still cool with me, though. And they're like, oh, yeah, why is that? I was like, well, because I started getting high again, and uh, they're pretty serious about their recovery, so they kind of wigged out when they found out. I, they, they didn't really give me the, they didn't really kick me out because uh, drug court, you know, forced me to move out anyways but i think that they were they were about to give me the boot so you know just i just said that just to make matt you know look good so that way they didn't feel any need to go like castle him because like you know since i relapsed two nights maybe they'll want to go over there and bother him yeah but uh just like how judge Harmon thought shauna may have used because she got it to at the same time i fucking relapsed yeah yeah exactly remember that i do that was funny <laughs> Wow, and, and that's that's really crazy how like they said, oh, your name's been passed around, passed around here and there. You were on the front front cover of a goddamn newspaper article about your recovery too, like yeah, was, that's yeah they they definitely like they you know what you know also what I think is they threw your name around like that, like the counselors did, just to shove it in people's face that they are successful in um. And, and recovering us, like, like. So the, that's why I feel like what I'm doing right now, in a sense, is uh, nobody will probably admit it, but I think I'm showing that this program is a fucking failure because, dude, by me just not showing, like, by them creating this new level of care, and then me just saying, "Fuck that, I ain't doing it." Like, hopefully, they're gonna realize that they can't just keep piling punishments and consequences on us and expect us to stick around and fucking put up with it. Yeah, exactly. They they literally, Brian, have taken me to the point to where jail seems more appealing than what they have to offer. So that is absolutely not the way it should be. No, not at all. It should be far more appealing than jail. Yeah, I agree entirely. As long as it I mean, because drug courts didn't just start feeling like drug court. Drug courts started feeling like jail. But so worse. To me, the only difference between going to jail at this point and staying in drug court is, at least in jail, um, I don't have to worry about anything I'm doing, adding any more time to, to what I'm already doing. My time is my time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know? By the time, if I do drug court this whole next year and a half, by the time I'm finished with it, I will have had to have paid all my fines and fees. Because, you know, we have to pay probation every month. By that time, all of my fines and fees will be paid. And there's no guarantee that they're going to erase all my misdemeanors. No. I don't have felonies. And I don't, I've never heard them once say that they're removing somebody's misdemeanors. They just reduce felonies. So... 
honestly, dude, it's a waste of my fucking time. Yeah. Yeah, at, at this point, it's like, yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. You took the words out of my mouth. Like, it it's fucked up when just going to jail and, and keeping your fucking con- your charges is more appealing than doing this program. And, and then making, they did the same thing to John before this 2.1 thing. They were, they made John have to start all over again. And John did the same thing. John was like, fuck this. And they need to realize that this fucking new level of care is not working. Like drug court already wasn't working, but now it's really not fucking working. And they're stuck in this whole system, just like the government is in the war on drugs, where it's like, well, we're going to crack down more. We're going to crack down harder and do this. And it creates the opposite effect of what they claim they're trying to achieve. You know what I'm saying? And it's almost like they're just saying that to get the society on their side, but they secretly want us to go back to jail for like motives of profit. It's almost like the drug war is there as job security for cops to round up people and fill up privatized prisons on the bigger picture. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's precisely what it is. So it's like, but then you have all these people within the structure, like judges and district attorneys and drug counselors and probation officers who are just totally brainwashed into thinking that this system in place is what's necessary to like solve the problem, but it's not ever providing the solution. The drugs are in this country more rampant and more potent than they've ever been in the history of our fucking existence. And they're cheaper than ever before because they're everywhere. And the demand is, is always the same. It's, and there, it's like, you can't try and crack down on the supply. If the demand is always there, you're just going to raise the profits of it. And that's going to create more incentive for people to make money off of these drugs. And it's going to never solve the root cause of addiction and that demand, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it, it, it's, it, it boggles my fucking mind. It's like I'm living in the goddamn episode of Twilight Zone where people are just blindly following this faith-based, like, system where, and the people in power, like the people on the top top who own the privatized prisons and the people who make laws that they do are all reaping benefits. Like, we have politicians in place that take, that take, um donations from privatized prisons and take donations from these, uh, corporate like jail cells in order to make more jail. We have like more jails in this country than colleges. You know what I'm saying? What is that saying about what their incentive is in this country? They'd rather have people locked up living in the most minimal of situations with the least, the, the just, just the enough amount of food to keep them alive, you know, just enough dirty water to keep them hydrated, and and that's how they make their money, you know. And then they cut they cut programs for school in these jails. They cut anything they can to put that back in their pockets. And then yet we have all these people on the bottom of the ladder that think this is the only way that things can work, and they're obviously not fucking working. You know, we've had, we have an addiction problem in this country that's worse than it's ever fucking been. It's a, it's been declared a goddamn epidemic, you know? Anyway. I know. Yeah. I'm tired. 
You're, oh, you're finally yeah. tired? You did a shot three hours ago, and it's wearing off? It must have not been Shock. a big one. Well, um, well, just know, dude, just know, Ryan, that I fucking love you like a brother, bro. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for everything that happened. You know, I stop being sorry. This is this is the prop. This is the right outcome. This is what was supposed to happen. I feel it in my heart. And you know what you said earlier about you rebelling against the program and going on the run is like mm-hmm. you shoving it in their face that they're complete failures, you know? And, yeah, and if, if, there was, if there was anybody that was situated to expose just how fucking much of a failure the program is, let it be the guy who ran the program to a fucking T, perfect, to the max, and then made a mistake, which is honestly expected within the program, and then let him get punished so severely for that one or two mis- mistakes that um, that he, instead of fucking continuing on with the program, simply fucking drops it like a bad habit and moves on with his life. Because, dude, honestly, like, everybody's going to be talking about me fucking, uh, you know, running, going on the run or whatever, but... Dude, when I show up to court to, like, actually take my sentence and max out, like, I don't know if they're going to have me go back into a drug court courtroom. Because, like, I'm not going to go in on a Friday. I'm going to go set myself up on a calendar and hopefully get sentenced that day. Yeah. They're probably going to make me... They're probably going to make me go to fucking drug court and get deleted and then go in for sentencing. Whether... In either order. But so... I, I don't know, dude. I almost want to just be like, hey, you know, I, uh... I don't want anybody to take it. You know, when she calls on me, I'm just going to be like, I don't want anybody to take it personal. You know, it happened, but I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I uh, I really feel that I um, did my best to receive every bit of treatment and therapy that there was to offer in this program, but once I got to a point where I no longer felt like I was a drug addict with uh, struggling through my addiction, but I felt like a criminal who didn't deserve to have any kind of, uh, you know, the right to accidentally wake up late without having to worry about ending up in jail because of it, or, you know, going to jail for for uh, letting my disease get the best of me like it did, you know, which is why I sought treatment in the first place. And or, I don't know, maybe I'll just say something like, uh, once I realized that, that drug court's idea of treatment is uh, sitting in a jail cell, I realized that this isn't the right treatment program for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think you... And I think that would be good to be honest with them in a calm, non-confrontational manner like that and let them know exactly how you feel this this program doesn't work. You know? I think that would... The only way to do it is to be calm and non-confrontational. Yeah, because they would at least respectfully like accept that message and, and maybe have second thoughts about how they're running this program. You know, I think, I feel like they're crucifying you on the cross, like a Jesus figure right now as, as to make you a martyr or something. I don't know, not a martyr, but they're trying to. It's so funny that you said that. It's so funny that you said that exact term because Corey told me that day he visited me in jail. He said to me at the very end, before I left, he could tell I was pissed, but I, I stayed calm. I didn't flip out, but he could tell I was really fucking fuming inside. Yeah. He said, you know, 
because I had told them, I said, okay, fine, I'll just restart the program. That's what I'll do. I'll be in, I'll be in group as soon as you guys let me out of jail. And he goes, okay, well, we'll see you in group, but I don't want you getting up on your cross and, and you know, acting like the victim or, or I can't remember. He said, he specifically said, I don't want you getting up on a cross. About oh, wow. And that's yeah. funny because that's exactly how they're treating you. They're trying to make an example out of you and make an example out of everyone else. Like, see, this is what happens when you do this. This is what happens when you do that. So you better not fuck up. You better be perfect with everything. And it's like, dude, we're learning how to perfect our lives. And human beings are not fucking perfect. We make mistakes. Even if we're not addicts, we make mistakes. And to fucking throw us in a fucking cage and treat us like animals isn't going to fucking help us get better. It's really not, you know, it's about fear and love and they're direct. They're trying to manipulate us through fear. That's not worth it. It's just look at the success rates. It's not fucking working. And I feel like they are kind of trying to treat you like Jesus on the cross and point you out to everyone else in the program and see, and be, and basically say, yeah, look what happened to him. Look what, what this is what we'll do to you. If you fucking do what he does, you know what I'm saying? And, and the, it's really like, smoke and mirrors because honestly most of the people that do kicked out they don't do that much time they they do a small amounts of time and they get the fuck out dude it's fucking blows my fucking mind dude so anyway we just hit three hours i i i'm really satisfied with you said some really insightful things and uh i just want you to know i'm gonna call you tomorrow sometime after I get out of class tomorrow at Cuesta, and um, I'll I'll keep updated with you, and um, you know if if I'm able to help you in any way I can, I'll put myself I'll make myself available to you more than anyone else. Um, memorize my phone number so if anything happens, you can call me. You know I got cash. I'll put money on the phones, and it, if and just try to you know, maintain your freedom and figure out your next step. And then, um, we'll, I guess we'll go from there, you know? All right. Sounds good, man. I love you too, brother. Yeah. Thank you, bro, for everything. Seriously. Oh, dude. No, I like, thank you for everything, man. Like you haven't like being friends with you has inspired me in ways I've never thought possible. Like when you would help me at the gym, like, I would push harder than I've ever pushed before. And that was because of you and seeing how, how, how good you were handling things. Like it inspired me to want to do better. And all I want is for you to get through this bullshit and come out. And then when you do get out, become success, like become successful. So I mean, mainly for yourself, but also for the fact that you could shove it in their face and be like, look how well I'm doing, not in the program, you know, like, look how, look how shitty you caused me to be in this program. And now look how good I'm doing because I'm not under your control. You know what I'm saying? That would make, I love that. That's great motivation. Dude, that would like, that would make me so fucking happy to see you succeed without them, you know, and shove it in their face that their, their fucking method of of rehabilitation is just completely fucked and wrong and not working at all. It's not functioning at all. And, um, yeah, dude, like again, yeah, uh, 
I, I'm so, I'm like, I've, we've talked so much. It's hard for me to think of what else to say. So I should, I guess we should wrap it up. Um, you know, do what you need to do, get some rest if you need some rest and, uh, I'll call you tomorrow and we'll figure out, uh, I'll tell you what happened. I'll call you also and let you know what happened in group. And I'll keep you updated on what Corey and Lindsay says about you or, or anything so you can stay on your toes. And I'll try to lead them in another direction to help you, you know, have some time to figure out your shit. And um, we're going to stay in touch. And we have to, I, dude, please, let's do this podcast again after you, you know, get your shit done. Maybe we can do one if you do, like, have to do time. We can do one over the phone. We do it from jail. That would be fucking cool. But like, just, yeah, like again, I can't say this enough. I'll always like, dude, I feel like you're a friend. You're a, you're the type of friend I want to keep in my life, like for my entire life. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's very sweet. I, I agree with you, man. Like as long as we, I mean, I have uh, a few, like my buddy Tyler, that the one that's been trying to get me to come to rehab in Orange County. Like me and him are like how you and I are now. And yeah. he still hits me up all the time. And like, I can tell he misses the shit out of me. And it sucks that me and him like, you know, ended up moving so far away from each other and that we ended up, you know, both drug addicted because like we can't really visit and hang out. But like, like uh, you're definitely, you, I definitely get that same vibe from you. Like you're the kind of person that I definitely am interested in, in fucking keeping in my life. Dude. Just because like, I have a lot of friends, bro, but I don't have a lot of people that I genuinely, like, really, like, uh, trust and and care about. And, uh, you know, I care about you as much as you care about me, but uh, I could really see tonight that you were, like, really concerned about me. And I, that was, like, awesome, bro, because I haven't, I mean, it's rare that I come across people that are, like, that, like, seriously, like, really, or, like, concerned about my well-being, you know? It's yeah. It's a good feeling. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you, you know, you feel that way because it, it is genuine. And um, I'm always going to be here for you no matter what. If you need anything from me, just ask. And we'll, like, we'll keep in touch. We're, I'm calling you tomorrow. I'll call you every day if I have to. And, you know, I'll erase. If you text me, I'm going to erase it just in case Letitia tries to search my phone. I'm going to do everything I can to help you get through this. Like, so just know that. And I know you're, you, I feel like you're totally at peace with your situation right now. And I'm glad you are. Um, I'm glad you're handling this so well. And, um, yeah, just fucking know, like, if you need anything, fucking call me, dude. And I will fucking, I will help you. Fuck fucking drug court. Fuck how they're treating you. I'm gonna help you. You tread this fantasy. What have I done?